guys, welcome to our new episode, Revenue Ops and ABM Alignment. We have today Yeppe, right? Yes, correct. I pronounced it well, from Plio. Yeah, you did. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, Plio, Plio.com, smart spending. I, I, I was seeing these guys all the time at uh, Saster. Yeah. I was going to them because they were having really, really good cookies and very happy and smart people at the, um, at the Saster. Actually, Denmark is one of the happiest. You guys are one of the happiest in the world, right? Yeah. Yeah, we keep fighting on the first place. Uh, yeah. But I think we we'll, we are first or second every year. And I suppose now even happier because FC Copenhagen uh, qualified after many, many years in the Champions League, right? From second place. So Yeah, yeah. that depends on if, if you are an FC Copenhagen football fan. But besides football uh, and all of that, Lego is Denmark. Uh, yeah. Really great place in, uh, how, how you call it, Lind... Lind- Lindum, or what's the name of yeah, this? Yeah, I, yeah, I can't even remember. It's a, it's the lower part of, of Jotland, right? It's in the middle of nowhere, but they managed to spin up this amazing company building Legos. Uh, so, uh, so a lot of great startup. We, we were talking just now about uh, Arhus and the whole innovation in, in audio and in music, and you told me about Copenhagen in medical. So there are small country with a lot of entrepreneurs with uh, a lot of interesting things and also uh plio is is one of the european startups that is uh, leading the bay in, in in fintech today we will talk about revops and and all of the um, go to markets on different uh, audiences and different uh, actual icps that that you guys have i want to pick your brain a little bit on figuring out um, actually how you can run uh, and how you run the GTMs for so many different uh, industries. Um, but before we dive in, it uh, would be great to get to know you a little bit better. Yes. And uh, first of all, tell us how did you end up in in RevOps and, and did you ever know that you will direct your career towards RevOps because it's something uh, new, right? <laughs> I, I think I can start saying that's a clear no. Uh, <laughs> I I studied the finance and statistics at the, the university uh, mm-hmm. and took the kind of maybe the traditional route for for person uh, with that uh, background going into consultancy as a management consultant. Um, worked what five six years as a management consultant, uh, focusing a lot on uh, process optimization, process transformation. Did a mm. lot of processes in banks uh, actually started out with outsourcing advisory so how can we outsource processes to low-cost countries but then moved more towards a, a automating processes using software robotics so i was actually one of the first one in the nordics and europe to work with software robotics and implemented that in a lot of different organizations bank public sectors um, and I already always had a kind of an interest of technology. Um, I uh, then found out that the consultancy industry was not for me. Um, it didn't fit a family life uh, with small kids, so I took mm. a job in the Danish pension fund, being responsible for their um, software robotics center uh, as a product owner. Um, but it was not a, a fit. I think I was having too much energy in terms of this big slow organization. Uh, so there was a 
company, what is called organization structure, where I was mm-hmm. offered another role, but turned it down. Um, and then I came to a place in life, like, where, what do I really want to do? Um, and talked to a coach who, who challenged me and saying, yeah, but I always wanted to do startups. And she's saying, yeah, but why, why, why don't you do, why don't you, why can you not mm-hmm. work at a startup? And I'm saying, yeah, but my role is so specific. I'm doing specific thing. Um, so that would not fit into a startup. And she kind of challenged me to, to kind of saying, yeah, but you need to validate it. You need to talk to some people in different startups and say to, to validate why not. And mm-hmm. that was a, that was a good challenge. I reached out to, I think it was actually the first person I reached out to was one guy I used to work with uh, back in the days. And uh, I think he replied, uh, yeah, but I'm looking for people. Uh, are you up for drinking coffee? And then I think I signed a contract one and a half weeks after. So it was kind of just by coincidence, I ended up in Playo and ended up what was back then called commercial uh, operation or commercial analytics uh, that then in Playo terms, have evolved over time. I think I started as employee number three or four in, uh, in mm-hmm. that department. And then it kind of developed, developed over time to having a RevOps department of what is plus 30 people uh, at this point in time. So it, it is a bit of coincidence uh, hitting here, but looking back, I can definitely see it fits and check a lot of the check marks for me in terms of technology operation. Um, I also, I used to in the past do a lot of cost optimizations, right? As consultant automating things, it was around removing cost. Revenue operation is equally, how can we increase the top line? And yeah, I because think you worked at the uh, big four, right? Like in, yeah. in, so I started at Ernst & Young and then mm-hmm. moved into a, a Danish consultancy called Implement Consulting. Um, so it's, um, I, I like the part of also focusing on the top line. It kind of gives a bit more nice feel to it than just removing costs, right? Because then you're just totally the bad guy all the time, uh, cutting yeah. down people or processes, right? Yeah. But I, I, I'm curious um, how you guys ended up with 30 people in RevOps. I want to I, I, I want to dig deeper into that. But be, before yeah. that, you were you you were one of the first employees in a quite successful startup. Maybe you can tell us a bit about Plio, so you know the yeah. listeners can understand the, the you know the level of complexity that you guys have in RevOps. So basically, Plio is what we call a smart spend management solution. Um, it started out with us focusing on expense management. So mm-hmm. saying whenever you do expenses in a company, you typically have to do expense reporting. So you have to submit. Yeah, tell me about it. Like when I worked in Electrolux, I was going crazy with these Excel files and reporting each and every yeah. cost. And they had a very shitty corporate software and everybody yeah. was hating that software and yeah and, and this is the nice thing about this with Leo because talking to people you rarely meet someone who have worked in a big corporation that haven't felt that pain right <laughs> uh, so everyone kind of like okay yeah i can totally uh, recognize the pain of, of doing expense management um what Plio was one of the first companies to do um, was to kind of connect the expense management part with a smart credit card. There is a lot okay. of companies doing it today, but Plio was kind of one of the first. And that basically means that Plio actually consists of two companies, a bank that has an e-money license and a SaaS mm-hmm. company, where the bank uh, issues a credit card and mm-hmm. the 
the the SaaS company kind of provides a piece of software to track the expenses. Got so it. basically, the 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 purpose of of Clear was is to empower the people of the organization in terms of saying, yeah, but you trust people access to a lot of data, but you don't trust them to go down and buy a piece of co- like a cup of coffee, all sorts of this. So can we just give you a credit card and then create transparency? We didn't work that much with spend limits and all these things of approval flows and things like that. It has come as the product has matured, but that was the intention behind the product to start with. So basically, it works that you get a credit card, and because Plio owns the credit card and the expense management software, it kind of pulls in all the information and checks that, okay, yeah, but you're allowed to spend X amount of money on mm-hmm. your card on a daily basis or a monthly basis, and then it pulls it directly into the app. So the second I swipe my credit card in Starbucks, it checks, okay, you are allowed to spend this money. And then it pings my telephone saying, you just spent this amount of money. Please take a, a picture of the receipt and then done. Then you mm-hmm. kind of haven't have to do anything more. Reporting is sent to the ERP systems of... Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So uh-huh. this is a, a, a big part of our business is also integrating to different accounting systems and different banks. The product had then evolved over time to also handle uh, vendor cards to, to track vendor management. Uh, mm-hmm. A really nice feature that I like uh, sitting in, in RevOps and paying for a lot of tools is kind of what we call fetch. So it constantly mm-hmm. checks my inbox if I get a, a receipt and then I just get a notification saying, you your credit card has been deducted $100. I found the receipt and matched it. Done. Oh, uh, wow. Then we're also doing invoice payments through the platform. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a few credit products, so overdraft uh, on, on the credit cards and, and working that uh, way. So um, a lot of different uh, value streams and revenue streams, uh, plus two companies, plus uh, a lot of KYC, so know your customer because mm-hmm. we're finding yeah, that fraud and so on. Exactly. Mm-hmm. A lot of complexity uh, from... Um, so from so the, you, you the were at the beginning of the, the company... You were already doing RevOps or how the whole RevOps team evolved? Or I'm asking you because I see a lot of founders that maybe at the beginning don't see the value of RevOps, right? Like you need yeah, yeah. to grow a bit. Yeah, I think now we're saying beginning. I think I joined as employee number 200. So, uh-huh. so we had, had a size of, of being quite big. It was actually, it was more, back then was more a combination of reporting and system management, so CRM management. So, okay. so CRM admin, basically. Yeah, exactly. And then reporting, uh-huh. paying out commissions and things like that. Okay. So you would say not that a strategic advisor, but mm-hmm. more an, an admin role, and then also doing a lot of reporting. So at some okay. point, the, the original RevOps team, the commercial operations team, was actually split out to be commercial analytics and mm-hmm. commercial operation, because it was kind of two different disciplines of reporting in, in our BI tool, versus managing our CRM system. Uh, however, these go hand in hand because a lot of the data that they were using, we were producing. Okay, so so then obviously first is for the the reporting, but when it and how did it become strategic? Because you mentioned that initially it was just admin and uh, when they hired you or there was some kind of advisors or oh, how I did think, they realize? I think... I don't know if we did the, the definition, right? Are we strategic now? I would say yes, but mm-hmm. I think it's not something that has happened from one day to the other. I think we kind of justified our seat at the table. So 
having hired some people, and I don't think I can take credit of this, but people hired above me that mm-hmm. definitely know what impact different things are doing in terms of the bigger picture. So mm-hmm. they having a seat on the table all the way up in terms of also being asked when we want to do something, like what is the impact on revenue? What is uh, the impact of um, commission? What is the impact of systems, uh, applications? All these things need to be taken into consideration before they're actually making any choice in terms of saying, do we want to enter this country? Do we want to uh, like segment differently? Do we want to redistribute leads? Do we want to go product-led, sales-led? All these different actions. RevOps is included more in terms of uh, making the, those decisions. Actually, that's a good point. Let's demystify a little bit this. Like admin, because a lot of people, um, you know, they say CRM admin, but actually they label it as RevOps and it's yeah. not RevOps, right? Because it's sexy, right? Like yeah. you... It's sexier to say RevOps than CRM admin. Yeah. And uh, let, let's let's understand. On one side, we have CRM admin, and on the other side, we have a RevOps department, which is strategical also. Yeah. Right? So how would you differentiate the two? I think, um, I think there's actually two places where you need to look in, right? There's the strategic, and I think that is where the, the team is actually pushing in terms of what direction do we need to go. And mm-hmm. it's not just saying we are going in that direction, fix the system so it match, right? So if if you're managed to point in a support in the decision of what direction do we need to go, then you're kind of the strategic ones, right? That is taking a seat at the table. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then there's the other one where I see a lot of job posts, right? Where they're hiring for RevOps, but the 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 one the RevOps is reporting to the head of sales or something yeah. like that. And I think sales in my ops. view, the, the important things about RevOps is that you're moving from silos of marketing ops, sales ops, and CX ops, and mm-hmm. potentially support ops, right? And having a view across the entire funnel. So when I'm from a system perspective, uh, looking, I'm saying, yeah, but you need to to know and understand the whole customer journey across all the systems, because elsewhere you end up with people optimizing from marketing for sales and for CX. And this is also where Plio came from, right? We had someone in CX doing a bit of their own, someone in sales doing a bit of their own, and someone in marketing. And they were optimizing to make a really good silo there, but all the valuable information they did and the decision they took didn't kind of feed it good into the next bucket, right? So Mm -hmm. both sales didn't know all the information and they could maybe take choices over there saying, yeah, but we're going to send a lot of these leads, but sales saying, yeah, but they're not converting. (laughs) It doesn't make sense, right? Um, so, so I think the most important for a RevOps perspective is actually looking at the whole funnel. If you manage to look at the whole funnel, then you also have a lot more knowledge and be able to take these long-term directions in, in terms of getting at a seat at the big table. Okay, so, so th- having the know-how of the customer journey, the full customer journey, and obviously what I was, what what I keep saying is that you need to know what are the boots on the ground uh, activities for each and every uh, role, right? So you need to know what exactly, how are those activities done on marketing side, you know, the whole process of 
from creating a landing page to segmenting to setting up lead nurturing workflows and so on then you yeah. need to really understand the sales like what how the qualification runs how the pipeline um it's managed how do you push the pipeline what are the each and every uh, required fields or the activities that you need for each and every deal stage and in the same time how you onboard what are the steps to onboard so and then what are those critical events and what are what is the impact that you track so that you can refer back from customer success to sales again or account management right so yeah. revops overall it's more complex but what allows you to do is to control and to see the full customer journey if you don't see the full customer journey then most probably you don't do revops maybe yeah. you do marketing ops or you do gtm ops if you just run go to market or campaigns right or you maybe you do just customer success right yeah, so exactly. it's really important to to understand that good yeah. so so you guys now have when I look at your website, if I scroll down to the footer and I yeah. look at solutions, right? I look at solutions. You have startups, small businesses, large businesses, agencies, healthcare, retail, technology, and transport, right? Yeah. Now, how do you organize your RevOps teams to actually run so many GTM on so many industries? Give yeah. us a breakdown of the team. Our... our um... Our RevOps is actually not that much catered towards the different um, segments in that way. Mm -hmm. uh, our RevOps is more focused on the different disciplines. So we run disciplines. Called, mm -hmm. Yeah, so we run what is called a, an operating model at Pleo that is kind of a matrix organization where we have mm -hmm. domains and competencies. So a domain could be a, a, a specific area. For example, do we have a domain uh, regarding partnerships so these are targeting accounting partners but this a uh, this domain consists of people from different competencies meaning that okay. in that domain that could both be salespeople, that could be cx people that could be revops people focusing on partnerships that could be engineering focusing mm -hmm. on a uh, on how to optimize the product towards that specific a uh, problem area if you can say so so um, domains you would say it's similar to cha channels like if yeah, you have a part yeah. okay yeah. Mm -hmm. so today we have a domain in terms of partnerships mid-market and uh, small business like three main uh, domains uh, that kind of leads into our overall go-to-market CAC domain okay that, uh, and that's smart so basically the chat you take this domain slash channel yeah. and you look okay if it's a small business then yeah. i need these competencies if it's yeah more enterprise obviously you need uh, yeah. higher competencies especially on sales yeah. let's say or cx then yeah. you organize that okay so there are some kind of squads right like these, yeah. these teams. so basically okay. we have different teams and sales and and cx that is focusing on supporting these where it's uh, what you can say more skilled uh, people hiring uh, managing the higher target customers so the mm -hmm. big more revenue the customer is going to bring in the more value do we spend on, on serving them right uh, both it. in terms of time so it, it's always a discussion in terms of the low uh, the low value how little effort can we spend on them and still giving them a good experience right 
because ideally everything should just be product-led and we shouldn't spend any human resources on onboarding and, and nurturing them. Uh, but on the other hand, we also have a really complex process where people need to validate themselves with authentication and send in company registration information. They need to uh, transfer money and things like that. So 100% product-led, we, we're working on it and we have customers going through, but a lot of them is kind of what we would call sales-nurtured. Uh, where we s- sales is assisted, right, uh, to 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 support that segment. So more like a facilitation, right? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so so for example, if you if you want to run a campaign, yeah, like you run yeah. a go to market, and you say, okay, I want to choose, I don't know, uh, transportation, right? So there is a campaign on transportation. You choose the domain so you choose okay transportation mid-market right and then this squad team works with someone who is subject matter expert in particular solution or it's more around so solution doesn't really matter yeah but i think i think actually our segment is more looking at company size at the moment because uh, you have industries and there's industries where there's a really good fit however a expense management is kind of an issue for everyone, right? There's 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 companies that has has a lot of expenses that is a, have a, a bit more potential, but the expense management process in itself is the same. So the sales process and CX process is not catered around um, a different uh, segments or industries. However, mm-hmm. the marketing are doing specific campaigns where they're saying now we're targeting certain uh, industries or certain personas. Uh, but this is where we have a big marketing department that is has a really advanced setup in terms of saying how can we go after a specific uh, customer type. Uh, but um, I should be careful of of giving out the details because I'm far from the yeah, expert. Yeah. Um, I, I just want to understand. Okay, the marketing team comes and say, yeah. okay, let's go mid market. This is the campaign yeah. for the sake of solution transportation. Uh, and uh, how do they cooperate with you? They come with the uh, project requirements. Um, you you have some kind of guidelines or rules for any new campaign. How's the cooperation with the RevOps team? There, it is actually running quite, if you can say, on, on the side. So RevOps is not involved in any of the running of the campaigns. Okay. So their kind of marketing is running the campaign. RevOps is more creating the framework from saying, okay, if you want to campaign, then these are the requirements that we set. So all leads needs to go through certain criteria. They need to, uh, depending on if it's online, then they need to have <laughs> a flow or form, whatever, whatever. But running the campaigns becomes more and more a, a marketing thing that RevOps actually don't support with. So we're trying to always see RevOps as someone that creates the the framework and the guidelines, mm-hmm. but the job itself is, shouldn't sit in RevOps because we will never be as smart as marketing people to know how to target and who to target. Uh, but we we can kind of set the guidelines to saying, yeah, but if you want to run a campaign and push in a shitload of leads into our system, yeah, but we require that you have this, this, and this information because if you don't do that, we will not be able to route them to sales uh, three steps down, or we will not be able to do attribution or things like that. 
Okay. So, Got it. so, so we're trying to say we need to recreate the framework. You do the job where you're the experts. Okay. So tell us an example. What could be in one of these guidelines? Like I, let's go with this example. Yeah, mid-market transport. Marketing comes to you. We are running this. And they ask for the framework. Maybe yeah. the framework is ready or you I make them. How is it? I think a perfect example is like as we are a, a segment that based on company size, one mm -hmm. of the most important informations is how can we get the company size to know how to route the companies, right? So mm -hmm. some of the requirements that we are setting up for, for marketing is saying, yeah, but when you are sourcing a lead, then this is the information that is needed. We need to know what country they're from and what segment they're in, right? Because if we don't mm -hmm. have that information, we are not able to route a this to any relevant people, we're not able to um, kind of tailor the experience for them to kind of a uh, continue in the flow. And then they just end up a uh, kind of stuck in our CRM system mm -hmm. uh, to do that. And so I like I, ICP. I yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. But, but I think we also have to acknowledge the saying, I can say what we are intending to do. Is it working perfectly? No, of course, of course not. Of course, but <laughs> as an idea, right? Like yeah, yeah. this helps the, the listeners understand, okay, what should be those guidelines or yeah. what should be that framework for yeah. any marketing team? Yeah, yeah. Um, and one of the things that we are working on now is also creating a bit more assessment from, for example, our SDRs that is uh, booking meetings and them of being more mature in kind of qualifying the, the, the meetings in terms of using a medic framework uh, to kind of qualify and saying, I need to know these informations before I pass it on. Mm -hmm. And then it's kind of how can we as RevOps make sure that they can easily work with that framework, collect the information and pass on this information on to uh, this, the sales rep that is going to handle the meeting. Okay. And so you have a methodology of like a sales methodology, yeah. like medic or uh, yeah. spiced uh, used by yeah. winning by design, yeah. cho chosen most probably by the sales leaders, right? Yeah. And yeah. you and the sales leaders build some kind of framework on how to actually do the qualification. And now you are the guardians or let's say you are... Um, spoot feeding these SDRs, like, okay, yeah. this is how, these are the criterias, yeah. and this is how you can adopt it in, uh, yeah. you guys use HubSpot, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think I think one of the things that we just have to acknowledge is saying CRM hygiene and maintenance is not anyone's favorite job, right? So yeah. we need to be saying, how can we make it as easy and simple as possible so we get the right information at the right point in time? Uh, and and some t some information we can pull. Um, this is also where it becomes a bit complex for us because we both do uh, inbound purely product led, where mm -hmm. things comes into our uh, our product and is pushed into our HubSpot instance and kind of can create a deal and move through deal stages without anyone touching it. And then a sales led approach where we are targeting the customer and bringing them on, right? But a lot of the mm -hmm. times it becomes some kind of hybrid, where yeah. Sales is reaching out, they get them onto a trial, testing the, the product, and then they are floating a bit around between sales and kind of, yeah, but actually they, they managed to do the product and, and, and completed all the steps, mm -hmm. but they are still working on a contract. So this is where we have a lot of the complexity in the, the cross sphere of uh, product versus sales lit. 
because you can do product at 100%. Um, but typically when sales are involved, when should you actually pull the trigger and saying they're in a customer on a on a whatever pricing plan they are, or are we trying to sell them a deal uh, on a contract? Mm-hmm. Okay. So you have a source for marketing when they tell you the ICP, you have some kind of assessment for the SDRs. Yeah. Um, and do when it comes to mainly on, um, let's say, lead scoring or engagement, is it like something like across all the sizes or you have it separately for each each size? This is when where we are not that mature yet. We're working mm-hmm. on the lead score. Actually, as mm-hmm. we speak, it's been a project for this. But the, the lead score is going to go across uh, all segments. So we're not uh-huh. going to have different lead score f- per segment. Okay. Um, but we're going to have someone where saying, yeah, but if it's not within, if it, it's within the low tier segment, despite mm-hmm. having a high lead score, we're not going to act on it because it uh, the cost of converting it don't justify uh, the value that it's potentially going to bring in in, in the end. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it, got it. So, and, and when it comes to attribution, sits with you or... How how do you deal with attribution? It, it sits it sits in RevOps. Uh, it has been something that has been really complex, uh, and we've actually tried implementing a new attribution setup, uh, something that we built on the side, not running based on HubSpot native uh, attribution. Um, so we are hopefully at a better place now, but it's uh, we're definitely not best in class in, in terms of attribution. It is a really difficult discipline. Uh, if you ask me, uh, you use Dream Data or this guy Hackstack or what's their name? No, we uh, this one is only the the the, distrib- uh, the the deal attribution based on where they're coming from. If it's inbound mm-hmm. or outbound, and what sources are we sourcing them from? Are they coming from uh, advertisements on Facebook, LinkedIn, or are they coming from lead providers like Leadspace, Lusha, all of these different? Uh, Okay. Tools of the market, LinkedIn Sales Navigator, for example. Like, how, what data, the what, where does this contact got created from? What is the source of the contact, and is it actually qualified to become a paying customer? And when, when, when it comes to the whole reporting, right? Like, you will be the one responsible for that reporting in the with nope. the top management or each nope. and every uh, we, we actually, department head. We actually have. Um, uh, part of the RevOps is uh, we have some a reporting team, if you can say so, that is doing all the reporting. So we actually split it up. So we have some report in HubSpot. Basically, the intention that the reports that we have in HubSpot is for people working in HubSpot. So a sales mm-hmm. rep or a manager that with daily tasks are in HubSpot, yeah. they should also be able to see their reporting in HubSpot. Mm-hmm. Then we have another set of reports being towards top management mm-hmm. that we are doing in uh, Looker, our BI tool, mm-hmm. which kind of sits in another team. So they're doing all the 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 reporting on another level. And this is typically where we are combining data uh, mm-hmm. outside of as well. Um, we can challenge that and saying, yeah, but we are getting more and more data into HubSpot. So could we build all of it? Yes, potentially at some point, but 
uh, it's it's also fine keeping it outside uh, to, to yeah it depends it. what you want because we have the same challenge right like yeah. if you um if even your account if you want accounting type of data right like uh, and that's really hard to integrate only if now you have these payments and stripe uh, yeah. integration which is not everyone very happy about that to to, to give that uh, commission to stripe so it depends like but usually what kind of data you pull into into look at you have hopspot i suppose right yeah we have hopspot it's it's primarily commercial data hopspot and then it's a combination of product data so all the products mm -hmm. that we have in our backend uh, and then it could be uh, what you can say user data so targets mm -hmm. on reps performance so on you reps. use the mix panel or segment or what what do segment. you guys use? segment okay yeah so you 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 are looking at um like what are the those metrics that are important from the product? Product. And how do you do that if you pull it back to HubSpot? In, we have we have what is called the hub and spoke model with all our product data. So mm -hmm. all the product data and data from commercial tools is located in BigQuery, uh, and it's pulled out via five train from the commercial tools, uh, and and typically via segment or something like that from the product. And then we use a reverse ETL tool called Census to push it back into HubSpot. There is, uh, yeah, there is, I think there's three or four different tools on the market doing something similar. So High Touch, Census, Wilt. So uh, explain me a little bit, how does this work? Like how do that you- That is basically, you have a table in BigQuery and mm -hmm. then it's just a drag and drop tool. So instead of having a, a developer, you can drag and saying, yeah, but this is the matching ID. Uh, so this is the company ID and the 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 property saying health score or mm -hmm. like one of our milestones is FDD. That's the financial due diligence. That's a okay. date stamp. Whenever that is in the table, then you just map it and saying that needs to go into the property on the HubSpot company called FDD. And then this uh, okay, you map kind of just um, handle the mapping and sync the data in every time it's updated in the table. So it's simply just it. pushing data from a table into HubSpot based on a mapping. So it's, it's handling the mapping between uh, your database and uh, your HubSpot instance. Okay. And then you use uh, this data somehow in HubSpot? Do you do yeah. segmentations or what do you do with this Typically, data? a lot of the things we're doing is a task for the reps in terms of saying, oh, this customer have done X, Y, Z, but mm -hmm. it seems like they haven't progressed to the next step call them and reach out we are doing uh -huh. deal movements so saying yeah but when they have completed x milestones we move the deal to the next deal steps if they have done x y z then we move them to the next deal step mm -hmm. um, we are also doing um, customer communication mm -hmm. uh, so onboarding flows and things like that is also done based on census data um, yeah you do uh, some customer success like nps or anything like that yeah, we're also doing NPS, but that is not done via census or something pushed in there. Uh, we're running it uh, in um, our, yeah, we have a lot of in different NPS tools. So we're running a bit, some part of the business use one NPS tool and one, some part of the other one. So that's one of the project on the roadmap is to, to kind of consolidate mm -hmm. uh, what NPS tool to use. But onboarding happens in HubSpot? or it happens uh, outside of HubSpot? We have a, a dedicated CX tool, as we call it, 
uh, called mm-hmm. Vitaly. Uh, Vitaly.io. It's kind of a competitor of Plan Hat and what are the other uh, big uh, CX platforms that mm-hmm. is really good at looking at customer data. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, this is where where the onboarding team, as you would call them, sits uh, and validate how did they manage to complete all the milestones and reach out and call. Okay, got it. So you have segment, you you take the data, you put it in Looker from segment you also push it to using this tool uh, yeah, census yeah. you push it for commercial reasons so yeah. on before they are closed somehow right yeah. or when they yeah. are in a trial or whatever yeah actually completely during the lifetime of the customer right uh, mm-hmm. that is uh, that is where we're pushing data so as soon as they are in the product we start pushing them into hubspot and then we completely like we keep pushing information in until they churn as a customer. Okay. Yeah. But you also push it to this uh, CX tool, CX tool. Yeah. so that the guys are making sure yeah. that the tool is adopted. Yeah. They don't uh, they don't churn. So you keep track uh, of these. Yeah. And then the CX tool is integrated with HubSpot, I suppose. Yeah, both HubSpot, uh, but also with Census. So we're trying mm-hmm. to say we don't want that many tools connected uh, both to the product and to our CMS system. Because if something mm-hmm. then is failed, like where is the error then coming from? So yeah. we would actually prefer to have what this hub and spoke model where all products goes, and all data goes from the tool up to BigQuery and then BigQuery is the single source of truth and then down. So we don't have yeah, these segment products. basically. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, exactly. But then we have, we still have some tools that is only connected to the CRM system. And we're kind of fine with this saying, it's okay that we have what is called an add-on to HubSpot as mm-hmm. long as it's only connected to HubSpot and don't get data feeded in from other different places. Because then it, this is where it becomes complicated, right? Because yeah, yeah, yeah. then sync errors, what is not correct, what is correct, what True. is the source. Uh, so we're actually trying to consolidate as much as possible into HubSpot at the moment just to simplify uh, the setup uh, and reduce costs. Is mm-hmm. this is one of the main focus areas that we are spending a lot so, of time so on. So then I, I, I suppose that if you have this um, in your team, you need to have different competencies, right? So yeah. can you can you tell us a bit what kind of roles are there among competencies? Because yeah. if I look at this, I see that, okay, you need to have somebody for lookers, somebody who helps the sales guys, somebody who yeah. has the marketing, does you need yeah. to have somebody for census, so yeah, on yeah. and so forth, right? Yeah. So our RevOps is built around, what is it, be, five, six teams at the moment. So there is a pricing team handling everything pricing related, uh, looking at how can we optimize our pricing model, uh, how can we roll out pricing changes, uh, renewal processes, all these things. Then we have an enablement team doing all the enablement on sales and CX, like how to sell, orchestrating the different trainings and things like that. Mm-hmm, then mm-hmm. we have a data analytics team that is doing all the Luca reporting. Then we have a, a strategic projects, I think they're called, a, that is kind of running only running big projects that sits a bit outside, a, focusing on only adding, running new projects, new initiatives. Then we have a what we call strategic planning. They are more the one doing all the board reporting, forecasting, 
all of these, uh, making sure that um, these are aligned following up on the numbers. And then we have the two teams left, uh, one which is called the process operation and data. That is more the traditional ops uh, kind of uh, team, looking into following up with sales, handling tickets, making sure that leads are signed, uh, so on and so forth. And then mm -hmm. we have the last team being my team that is called business architecture and technology. We're kind of sitting uh, on the technology part of it. So we are handling the tools and the processes in the tools and the data uh, between the tools. So my mm -hmm. team is heavily focusing on tooling uh, and, and the architecture of that tooling. And my team consists of people who are focusing on data, so piping data in and out, but also automation and engineering within these teams. Got so you have developers, I was saying. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So from, from these teams, like I would like to dig in a little bit into pricing, to be honest. Yeah. Um, because that's something interesting, what I'm hearing from you, that within RevOps you have a pricing team, right? Yeah. Mm, how are they working? Like what exactly do they do daily? Do you know? It is that there is two functionalities, right? There is the deal disk functionality in terms of making sure whatever new deals that we're doing, following certain criteria and standards, right? Mm -hmm. So that is, we don't sell something to a customer that is not uh, making sense uh, from a marginal perspective. So a traditional deal disk. And then there is the other one in terms of looking into pricing where what should be the price of our products? What is a good fit? Like what features should we put into different pricing plans? All of these things. And it's a lot of it is based on historical data. So just looking at what our customer using, what are they paying? What are we selling? What are we not selling? And mm -hmm. then also looking into uh, like customer interviews in terms of feedback we get for a customer, like close loss deals. What are we losing for? Uh, what competitors? What are the competitors offering? Offering. So the wind loss uh, analysis yeah, exactly. will be done by them, exactly. right? Yeah. Okay. So when it comes to deal desk, um, this would mean that I'm a account manager. I'm doing a proposal, yeah. and deal desk gives me a framework on how to do this proposal. Also gives me some kind of guidance on the quotations, on the discounts, right? Yeah. Yeah, we're basically automated out of HubSpot, a, a process where a rep selects five or six uh, data points. So this is how many users, what pricing plan, a commitment, payment terms, a, and then discount percentage. Based mm -hmm. on that, HubSpot automatically generates the quote. A, and then we've built in some certain criteria saying, yeah, but if the discount percentage is above a certain threshold, in a certain market, then it hits an approval flow and needs to be approved by uh, the manager or manager. the senior manager or the deal disk. The ones that actually goes to deal disk is typically the one that falls outside. So custom agreements where they want to change some of the terms, conditions, or really big deals where they are big dis bigger discount or, or things like that, right? Mm -hmm. um, but but um, the rep don't generate the quote themselves. They kind of have a, a quote generator generating the quote and the line items and the quote. Uh, and then that triggers an approval flow. Got it. And when it comes to st strategic projects, this would be 
whenever uh, I just want to understand this project uh, aspect. Yeah. Is it like more a, a campaign, a GTM, or is a bigger project saying, I don't know, we need to uh, set up our lead scoring, and that's the project, right? Yeah, it, it is. It is more like a a lead scoring. A, mm-hmm. Like, how do we uh, separate a product versus sales lead? A what we've done a lot is what we're looking into different customers and uh, scoring. So for a CSM uh, or a salesperson to look at a customer with what we have hundreds of different data points and know what should I actually sell this customer is -hmm. really difficult. So what they've done in that team is they've built a lot of different triggers that saying, yeah, but this customer has not done certain activities, but have done certain activities we have historical seen that you can sell this product to them. So that when they hit a, that their threshold, a task mm-hmm. would be created for the rep or the CSM to saying, watch out, they're potentially churning or uh, upsell them this feature because they are hitting certain thresholds. This could be, like, this has been one of these projects that they've been working on, on optimizing kind of the, the go-to-market, the, the, the activities that a person, that a salesperson needs to, to go to. So trying to move it away from having the individual person actually know what to look for and simply just feeding them the, the task to, to sell. Man, I love it. Like, it's really complex. It's really interesting how you how you set it up. Like, hands down. It is really amazing. impressive. I can't take credit for it. I haven't delivered it. Uh, but... Uh, it is uh, it is a really interesting project to see how much you can actually go mm-hmm. around and create these terms of uh, triggers. Um, so, I'm just curious. Now, before we end, let's talk a bit about 2023, yeah. right? What was what was the? Did you see any shift, like in in terms of RevOps, like? Initially, yeah. you planned to do something, and then in the end, you ended up doing something totally different. And why did you shift? I think I think the total market of SaaS startups changed. So mm. 22 was a lot of growth at all costs, where now it becomes more economical, friendly growth, right? We shouldn't mm-hmm. grow at all costs. So in 22, we were just adding project, tools, whatever, people saying, yeah, we need this, and there was... It sounds wrong, but the, the limit of funding was not that difficult, right? So if you wanted to buy a tool, the, the business case didn't need to be that good, right? Uh, yeah. Where now it is more in terms of saying, okay, how can we optimize and simplify what we're actually having to make it more streamlined and making more um, financial friendly, uh, economical growth, mm-hmm. uh, which I must say, uh, sitting in RevOps and the team responsible for the technology have been giving us a bit of breathing space to actually stop up and saying, yeah, we have a lot of technical debt that we need to remove to be able to actually uh, make sure that we can scale later on, right? Because adding a lot of different tools, I think we grew, yeah, I, I remember there was one month where we added 30% of the, the workforce in one single month, a kind of like... <laughs> When you're growing that fast, not everything is implemented 100%. Yeah. So having a bit of time to actually step there and saying, okay, what can we remove? What complexity can we remove? It helps a lot. And, and uh, we saved a lot of 
yeah, like removed a lot of tools, saved a lot of cost, but also from my perspective, removed a lot of complexity. Uh, that uh, that making it a lot easier also to be agile and, and change direction. Mm-hmm, uh, and mm-hmm. I think going into next year, that was most likely be the same agenda. How can we simplify our our setup and and make it more scalable in a structured way? Mm-hmm. Uh, and do you see like you work with RPA? You worked with a different type of automation before, and uh, you saw the corporate world, right? Like yeah. because majority of these companies. Uh, uh, that implement automation and RPA and so on were incorporate and yeah. startups were not in this mindset, right? So now yeah. I, I suppose that we have a lot to learn from uh, the corporates in a way on, on, on the process side. Do you guys see that you like in general on how you see you, you believe that startups in a way uh, the same level as you guys are lack of these competencies of process improvement of cost optimization because we are coming with a um you know mindset of uh, growth of, at all costs right yeah yeah there is definitely there is definitely something where we are just doing the quick fix uh, because we need something now instead of looking at what problems it might give us down the line but I must also say, and this is also why I said in the start, I was not sure I was fit for a, for a startup because mm-hmm. I've been working on um, on RPA, like software robotics, mm-hmm. implementing a big organization. And the places where big organizations implement RPA is typically where the process is broken, right? And yeah. you cannot fix it with correct automation. It is a duct tape solution that you're putting on top of the user interface. So... My statement was like, I have learned how much to fix all the errors. This is not what you want to implement in a startup because the second you in a startup implement software robotics, then you already failed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I think there is a, a bit of learning in terms of what not to do. Uh, definitely. That's great. And and when it comes to hiring, yeah. like you, I want just to understand how you believe 2023-2024 changed the competency metrics of hiring, right? Because again, we are talking about economical friendly, as you put it, and growth at all costs. Like what were the competencies that were in 2022 versus what we had this year and what we will have next year? I think in in 22, it's more focusing on just hiring front-end staff, so hiring salespeople, because Mm -hmm. you could see by every sales rep I add, I add that much revenue where now they're looking more in terms of saying, yeah, but if I hire someone in operation, then I can improve all the sales reps with X percentage. So so that the, the incentive to hire people in the backend, uh, revenue operations and things like that, has been a lot more uh, like uh, attractive uh, for a company mm-hmm. like me. So I think actually my team is looking into getting, maybe getting resources instead of, them just adding resources to sales and saying, yeah, but operation just have to manage whatever they're having. So I think uh, that that we are getting resources. I hope that we are getting resources. At least I can hear the mindset have shifted um, because they can see the value of optimizing 1% here and there because it hits across all the sales reps. Mm-hmm. Um, 
So That's more optimization. Yeah. Uh, and I, I cannot end without asking about uh, AI and if you guys do anything around that, because, you know, it, it, it wouldn't be a 2023 podcast if I would not ask you. No. It, uh, nevertheless, I left it at the end uh, yeah. so that we don't uh, sabotage it with AI. Of, of course, Pleo is doing AI. We have, we have our own team developing our internal AI uh, setups uh, the biggest issue is is of course gdpr and data protectivity mm -hmm. uh, so that one uh, is of course a big uh, topic of ours how can we enable ai without compromising our customers data um, but then also the question is also all the tools are running out and rolling out ai features yeah. and, and this is one of the conversations i have with a lot of stakeholders is in terms of saying we could build this this and this where i saying yeah but if we sit tight HubSpot is going to roll it out in three months. So I would rather just wait and then let someone else build it in three months and then it works integrated with our system instead of us building something, hacking that will work and requires a lot of cost because we need to sit down and saying what is the benefit of us getting there three months before them uh, compared to just rolling something out. Uh, that works yep, where, where do you see AI helping in RevOps? Uh, AI specifically? Like for me, it's a lot in terms of a big, nice feature from HubSpot is just a workflow descriptions. As simple as that, right? <laughs> we had 800 workflows, no description of what they're doing. Now it's at least a lot easier for someone in the team to just generate a description. And it hits it 80, 90% of the time. It's quite good. A creating of reports, a summarizing of call. A, I think that is where when we start looking at all the different engagements, summarizing a customer, so prepping a salesperson to actually enter a call with as much information about that customer, that is where we will uh, create the, the difference uh, with, with AI. So, so uh, logging in uh, information mainly, right? So it's, yeah. it's uh, uh, the basic as, you know, workflow description. Yeah. You don't know how painful that is if you didn't do a lot of workflows. Yeah. So that's definitely good. And uh, helping um, sales reps, especially, yeah. um, log in, adopt uh, the tool, and make yeah. it easier to give you feedback that later yeah. on you can um, uh, you can analyze. Right. So this yeah. is. Uh, definitely there do you guys think of um, because I, I i'm seeing a lot of um, use cases where you create your own some kind of gpt based on the data of um, your business right so from accounting to you know understanding where you had profit margins from which user base uh, um, what what are those uh, segments that are, um, you know, having the highest lifetime value in which regions, so on and so forth, simple as uh, GPT. We, Would this is... help you to give the power of data without technical knowledge, you know, to top management or to investors or whoever wants to find out in real time what's happening in the, in the business? I think all use cases are up for grab. Uh, there is, uh, we have a whole dedicated team on just looking into different AI possibilities, both within our own product, but mm. also to support the different teams that is working from everything from uh, engineering uh, to uh, 
sales to CX to marketing, like from generating blog posts to identifying potential trend customers. So everything mm-hmm. is up for, for, for grab. But I think the big impact is, 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 is yet to come. Uh, and I think definitely next year you will you will start seeing yeah, that, that product becomes so mature that that they are starting adding value. Thanks, Jeppe. Thanks a lot for this late discussion. We we are in touch. Thanks a lot for joining our podcast. It was a pleasure. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you.